The word of God that forms the basis of our meditation today is our gospel lesson. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we're grateful for what you're doing, even as we, that the many are becoming one in you. As you draw us together as your people, your church, to speak to us according to your word. Open our hearts to hear the grace that you give to us in Jesus, our Savior. And do not allow the evil one to rob us of our joy. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. I think most of you were here last week. Is there a difference from last week when we said he is risen and there's like 250 people in the room responding than today? Sometimes the volume has a little bit to do with it. It's exciting to know that we're on a big team, isn't it? But could it also be that we've lived a whole week (laughs) since the Easter celebration? We've taken on a little bit of life where all of a sudden the the wonders that we heard of in Pastor Pre- By the way, Pastor Preem's sermon last week, wasn't that awesome? All those things uh, were kind of tainted by the fact that we went back to the world. We were living in a time where, I don't know if you agree with me or not, nothing seems certain today. What happens when you realize that banks with billions of dollars in investments aren't too big to fail? What happens when you work your whole life saving for retirement only to be faced with six to eight years up and down and up inflation? What happens when you realize that life will be a harder struggle for your kids and grandkids than it was for you? Even human relationships seem more tenuous today. Remember when marriages usually ended when until death us do part happened? Remember when children were treated as children? What can you count on in the world today? What happens when all the quest when all the answers to all these questions are out of our hands. The call of our gospel lesson is to cast our cares, our doubts, our concerns on Jesus Christ and him alone. He is the only certain thing in this world. His care, his promises, his word are the things that make life worth living. Both in times of celebration, as well as times of uncertainty. We can place our doubts and fears in the hands of Jesus because our life now and our life eternal are forever secure in his hands. In his own hands, living life, on our terms, excuse me, in our own hands, living life on our own terms alone is to live in doubt and fear. Because living in our own hands, our own incapacities will always find us out. Notice John 20, 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for 
fear of the Jews. They had already heard that Jesus was risen, that he was alive, and yet on that evening, they were locked inside of a room afraid. The next week, or what will be ultimately tonight if you're trying to align your life to the gospel story, Thomas now shows up. He was not with the disciples the previous week. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. The hope and dreams of the disciples end in fear and doubt because their hopes and dreams were disconnected from Christ's real mission and ministry. What was that? To go to the cross for eternal salvation when he died. And because they were disconnected from Christ, their fantasies were suddenly shattered. You know, it's the same for us. If our hopes and dreams are disconnected from God, our hopes and dreams will be unfulfilled eventually. And lock us up in fear too. Think of your relationships with others. And this is going to be hard for you to do, some of you. Because can you think of your relationships with others without God? It's hard to do. In fact, I even wonder how people are able to do it without God. But if you don't have God as a part of the relationship... Who's running the relationship? Oh, we'll say, well, we both are. Really? Do you remember when you first met someone you really, really, really liked and you became infatuated with them and they give you the signs that they really, really, really like you too and you wonder, are they infatuated with you too? And you play around in this we're in love, we're in love, we're in love. We're on the same page. We all agree we love each other. Only to find out that the man's version of love for the, the girlfriend is different than the girl's definition of love for the guy. But we put things in place on our terms. Everything looks rosy. And we actually believe the Disney ending and they live happily ever after. Our relationship with other people doesn't have God in it. How does it work? Because everybody else is a sinner, which means everybody else messes up, which means you're dealing with a mess up and they're dealing with one too. How do you get over that? Do you hold the standard out there? Oh, if you just try harder, you'll make it. Or do you ultimately find out that there's really no way through these times without forgiveness? Maybe your plans are a life without sickness or pain. Oh, that's an interesting thing to think about. I don't think I've ever met somebody like that. Maybe little babies. They seem to fall down and get up. They don't seem to be hurt for very long. But my goodness, 50, 40, yeah, it was probably even 45. It was like, ugh, it's hard. Now all of a sudden things start breaking. Knees, 
ankles. Haven't had any of the internal stuff yet, but I won't be surprised if that's not too far in the future. Life without sickness or, or pain without God, how do you approach those things? Do you shake your fist at humanity and say, my life isn't fair because I have to go through this and you know who doesn't? And you know how bad they are. I'm a pretty good guy. How do you address those things without the presence of God? All unfulfilled expectation, dreams, and hopes that we have without God? They all end in death. Because living in your own hands, your own vision of the big picture will always be in doubt. Financial freedom? Hmm. How sure are you of that? That we won't face uh, an all-out World War III in the future? How sure are you of that? There'll always be doubt when your dream and your vision depends just on you. Did I make the right decision? Was that a good thing? You know, I, I don't think it, it, it's until we actually get to the moment of death that we can look back and go, oh, wow, that was a bonehead. Oh, Oh, that actually turned out to be a good decision. How do we know why we're living it? You see, the disciples' false belief led them to live in fear. Despite the fact that Jesus had already appeared to the women, already appeared to Peter, already appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Thomas comes along the next week and his false vision led him to stubborn unbelief. He would not only not listen to the women, Peter, those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and the disciples that were gathered on that night. He chose not to listen to the testimony of all those who had seen and witnessed Jesus alive. And because of that, his stubborn unbelief, disconnect from God's plan of salvation, all that kept him in doubt, even when the other disciples were saying, no, Thomas, we're not kidding you. He really did. You know, our vision of Jesus meeting our every whim and desire closes our eyes to the glorious things that he has already accomplished on our behalf. And it leaves us in doubt and fear. Only Jesus' hand and the whole broken body can bear the reconciling work of the cross for all of us. They're the hands of the God-man in action, destroying the forces of sin, death, and the devil. Only Jesus could display his scarred hands to Thomas in the flesh. But also to us through his word so that you and I can be blessed. Jesus told Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Trusting your life in Jesus' hands is to live in confidence and blessing forever. So do you feel blessed? Honestly. Why not? Because as cool as that sounds, we still hold on to other dreams, don't we? Other visions. Thanks, Jesus. That's good to know. But can I win the lottery? Is it possible that this won't happen or this will? Jesus' hands spread out on the cross turn out to be God's provision for doubt and fear for everyone. You see, a crucified Messiah was God's hope and dream for us, even if it wasn't our dream for him. Perfect love casts out all fear. Christ crucified his perfect love in action for you. There's no place that his hands of grace and mercy can't reach. He came to the sinful and fearful disciples through locked doors. His grace can come find you amidst your struggles of doubt and fear. People have lived through the depression and the dust bowl of the late 20s, early 30s. That was almost a century ago. You know, they speak about how difficult it was, but you know what else they do? They speak of, of the blessings of living through it. Now, I don't know how they were talking when it was actually there. I just know how they talk after it's over. I've officiated and or attended a couple of hundred funerals in my life. Funerals of fellow Christians. And you know, not one of them complained after they passed. Well, that's because they're dead. No, it's because they're alive. And I know a couple more hundred of mourners that have been comforted by that very fact. That the death of Jesus Christ wasn't the end. It was the beginning of eternal life for those who believe. Jesus came to doubters. And he came with those that are closed up by their own arrogance and demands. I hear he is risen, he is risen indeed, hallelujah. But we go back to life and it's like we're living in two different worlds. When the world in which we live in is but one. One world created by God the Father, justified by God the Son, and even as we talk and listen today, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. How do we know this? Well, because Jesus' words have made it through time, through the writings of the apostles and through all the Christians that have gone before us. The apostolic ministry 
of forgiveness delivers that perfect love to you and to me. Sometimes people will ask me, who do you think you are standing up in front of a congregation and saying, I forgive you all your sins in the name of my Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Well, that's what Jesus told his disciples to do. That's why I do it. He says to us, here are the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whosoever sins you don't forgive, they are not forgiven. You see, it's in this ministry of forgiveness, God so loving the world. And through the sharing of that work that is written for us in the Holy Scriptures, this is where comfort and the peace of God that transcends all understanding resigns. God's promises are sure in our lives. With Christ's blessing being delivered and received, fear doesn't have a place to live anymore. Doubt gives way to confident faith. Easter's not about eggs, flower buds, or the freshness of spring. All these speak of emerging life where life existed before. Now, Easter is about the resurrection from the dead. Life amidst death. Peace in the middle of sorrow. Joy in sadness. Grace in a ruthless world. Confidence in the midst of doubt. All because of Jesus. Where death was the only thing certain and living life on our own terms only assures death, Easter invites you to entrust your life to Jesus Christ in all things. Bring your doubts and fears to Christ. He is the one who brings you life and salvation. We bring them to Jesus in faith, and we live in the comfort, the peace, and the forgiveness of sins which he earned for us by his death and resurrection. The things that man planned, they're not certain. The things that God did are certain indeed. In Jesus' name, amen.